I'm just delighted to be able to share the Word of God with you today. And as I was thinking about what is in my heart to minister today, um, it just kind of kept coming to me that Christmas time, it is a time when we reflect on the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the significance, obviously, of His entrance into the world, but also those that surrounded the miraculous entrance of Jesus coming to earth. How many of you have a nativity scene at your house? All right. So you know who, you know who's a part of that nativity. Of course, there's baby Jesus. There's Mary and Joseph, the angels, the shepherds, the animals, and the wise men. So today I want to highlight the wise men. And if I were to give my sermon a title today, it would be wise men still seek him. So I want to start today by just reading the passage of Scripture that tells of their journey to find Jesus. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying... Where is he who is, has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem. Of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream, that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Amen? Amen. So let's just talk about these wise men here for a minute. History and scripture bears out that these wise men obviously were not present at the birth of Jesus. We just read it where they came and they found the young child with his mother, Mary. Most scholars agree that they came from Persia, which is modern day Iraq, and that there was not just three wise men, but there was probably an entire caravan of men. 
And it probably took them, it could have taken upwards of two years for them to actually arrive at their destination. Now, a lot of people, when they hear these things, they're like, well, then why are they part of the Christmas story? Because the Bible put them as part of the Christmas story. And some people, I remember years ago, I heard a man of God and he was preaching on Christmas and he started talking about that it was unscriptural to have the wise men in the major scene because obviously it took them a long time to get there, two years. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh man, don't ruin Christmas for me. And then I had this thought, well, perhaps I should put them out in the garage because they're on their way, you know. <laughs> they started their journey as soon as they saw the star. So they get kudos for that, right? They were obedient as soon as they knew that Jesus was being born. But you know, even from personal experience, I'm going to tell you a story here, a true story, that those wise men sometimes are the last to show up and seem a little bit clueless that they should have been there maybe a little sooner. So you you all know Pastor Mark and I from the time that we got married in July 22nd, 1977, that we started pastoring this small church in a town called Sepulpa, Oklahoma. Anybody ever heard of Sepulpa? It's part of the suburb (laughs) of Tulsa. And anyhow, it was an interesting church. It was a small church. Most of the people were relatives. And it was just a good place for us to grow together in ministry and our marriage. And and, uh, I just always kind of, honestly, to tell you the truth, I kind of prided myself in the fact that, you know, I grew up in church. Honey, I got this. I know how to handle church stuff, you know. I know your background. You grew up Catholic. And just follow my lead on some of this stuff, you know. I know. So... I decided that we were going to have this wonderful Christmas program because I had all this experience from the time I was probably a baby. I could have possibly been baby Jesus. I don't know. I was in the nativity every single year. And it seemed like the thing that I got cast most in was that Gabriel, the angel, because I was so angelic. I'm sure that's why. But anyway, so I said, well, we'll keep it simple, but... You know, I'm the perfect pastor's wife and I got to show these people my skills and that we are going to put on a Christmas program. So to keep it simple, so this is what we're going to do. I will read the Christmas story. We'll gather our choir of about what? Three or four people. We didn't have a lot of folks in the church and you guys are going to sing the Christmas hymns. I found a Mary and a Joseph. We used a doll for baby Jesus, found enough shepherds to go around. But then when we got down to, oh, we need some wise men. There weren't very many kids left. And we had one young man, he's probably about 12 years old, that we had lived in an apartment and we had led him to the Lord in the park there. And so I asked him, do you think your parents can get you to church? And can you be a wise man? Sure, he'll be a wise man. And then there was one other young man left. He's probably about 12 or 13 years old. And just to be nice, I'll say he had challenge, some behavioral challenges, some different challenges, but his mother was going to be the lead singer in the choir. So we had to give him a part. So these two young guys are my choice for wise men. First mistake. So then the second mistake was this. (laughs) We got to be scriptural, you know, so the other kids and the shepherds are stationed up on the platform as the program begins and 
you know, their parts there. And I told these two kids, now listen, you're going to be in the back room. So that it would be like they were out in our foyer. And when I read the part of the Christmas story, the wise men came from afar. All you got to do, guys, is walk out of the room and up to the platform and take your place. And this was the other thing, just to prove my skills. I had them all get their bathrobes and we learned this, how you roll the towel. Anybody ever do that? You roll the towel around in the front, pin it in the back. Anybody ever do that to make it look, you know, the part like they're shepherds and they're wise men from the east. So I'd worked real hard, got those on just perfectly. So I can't get to that part. And the wise men come from afar. No wise men. <laughs> the other thing, second mistake I forgot to tell you, is the two guys were in the room by themselves. No adult supervision. No adults left to supervise them. And wise men come from afar the second time. No wise men. So my voice got a little bit louder. The wise men come from afar. Still no wise men. I'm getting a little like, oh. I'm going to have to go get him. The fourth time, the wise men came from afar. About that time, one of them opened the door, the one that had some challenges, stuck his head out, and he said, Hey, you mean us? (laughs) And the appearance, the towel was crooked, half of his face was covered, his robe was all messed up. It looked like the two of them had been in there wrestling together, and they were a mess. Hey, you mean us? And my reply was like, uh, yeah, but it just struck me. Have you ever had something just strike you so funny? I just started laughing out loud. And the sad thing was, everybody was seated just like you. You can't see what's happening in the floor here. Nobody else saw it except me. So I'm the only one laughing and I'm trying to get it back together to continue reading the Christmas story. You know when it is we're trying to hold laughter back, my voice is fluctuating, tears are starting to come down my eyes because I'm trying to hold it together. And my husband was part of the choir and our music director, Larry Moss, who's a pastor now was part of the choir it spilled over on them what was on me they started laughing so hard they could not keep it together they literally got down on their knees and crawled off of the platform to the side room by the time we were done the only person left singing was a challenged boy's mother she's like uh, this is not funny she's singing her little heart out I didn't know what to do. I could, I mean, I barely could read the rest of the story and ended with this statement. Well, folks, it's apparent that Christmas joy is in the house. What can you say, you know? All these relatives and friends as the fullest our church had ever been. Wow. I did not make the impression of the perfect pastor's wife. Let's just put it that way. But anyway, what can we learn from these wise men (laughs) other than they were the last ones to show up (laughs) we want to look at what we can actually learn from them on a positive note and a serious note the first thing that I want to highlight that we can learn from the wise men is they sought the king they sought 
the king. We just read the account of this story. As soon as they saw the star, they sought the king. These these men will tell us that they were, I mean, the Bible will tell us that they were men of science. They were trained students in studying the stars. And they observed an unexplainable phenomena in the heavens. They saw this star and they knew that it represented something huge. They said, we just read it, where is he? The one that is born king of the Jews. That, I don't know how much knowledge they actually had about God or the coming Messiah. But God met them right where they were at. He showed them this sign in the heaven that represented a king, a Messiah being born. Did you know when you are hungry, God will get to you the message of salvation. Wherever there's a hungry heart, he does his best to reach out and to fill that empty void in people's lives. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. How many of you remember your search for peace? Your search for that empty void in your heart. How many of you remember the day when you found Jesus? Hallelujah. And he satisfied the longing of your soul. That's what we can learn from these wise men. They were seeking a king. And when they found him, they were satisfied. We can testify today that Jesus is my savior. He is the savior for all mankind. That's the very same message that he gave, that the angel Gabriel gave to the shepherds. Remember them out in the field watching their sheep. It tells us in the Bible in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. So the the shepherds represented the Jewish boys. They represented those that maybe were lower in society. They were out there watching the sheep. And they were probably the sheep that would be used in sacrifice in the temple worship unto God. And Jesus, it was revealed to them that he came because there's significance in that. He was saying, no longer are you going to have to offer these little sheep and their blood is just going to cover your sin. Now the savior of the world has been born, not going to cover the sin of the world. He's going to take away the sin of the world. He's going to be the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And the message that he gave was it's good tidings of great joy to all people. And then the appearance 
to the wise men represented that Jesus was the Savior for those outside of the Jewish covenant. Outside of that, representative that Jesus is the Savior for all mankind, for the Gentiles. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. He's the Savior for everyone, everywhere. That's the message of the gospel. And these wise men, hallelujah, they came, they sought him, and they came, hallelujah. And second thing that we can learn from the wise men is they followed the light, the star. The light, the entrance that was shown to them in the heavens declared the wonder that God had sent his son to earth to redeem mankind. They followed that light. How many of you have experienced the light that Jesus came to give? Hallelujah. Jesus is the light of the world. If I were to ask in here today for you to tell me your experience of how you accepted Jesus into your life, probably no two experiences would be alike. Uh, no paths or journeys on finding him are going to be the same. But the result is the same. Jesus comes to give peace Life everlasting joy that the world can not give. He is the light of the world. The wise men had to follow the star, this light in the sky. But you and I, we get to follow the light of the world. In John chapter 8 verse 12, and this is out of the Passion Translation. I love this. It says this, Then Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And those who embrace me will experience life-giving light. And they will never walk in darkness. Everybody do this. I just love that word. Who embrace me. Have you embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And the cool thing about it is, when you do this, not only have you embraced him, he's embraced you. He's wrapped his loving arms around all of us. We're embraced. We're accepted in the beloved. When we receive the light of the glorious gospel, hallelujah, we receive his unconditional love. We receive his acceptance. Hallelujah. We embrace him and he has embraced us and he gives us life giving light. Don't you like that? Life giving light. Have you seen lately some darkness in the world? The darkness is full. The world is full of darkness and death. But we don't have to walk in that. We are children of the light. I read this recently out of the Spirit-filled Bible. The Christian's joy is in knowing that light is not only greater than darkness, 
but will always outlast the darkness. Darkness will never be able to eliminate the light. So no matter how dark the world may get, we are the light of the world. Hallelujah. We're not to be hiding our light. We're to let our light shine. Darkness has no choice but to give way to light. Now, I have never, ever been the first one to church for anything, probably. I get here right on time or tad late, but I've never been the one to come in and turn on the lights in this sanctuary. But I know Pastor Tom has on numerous occasions. And you can see, we don't have any windows in here. So when you come into this sanctuary, it's dark. But when that light switch is flipped on, the darkness can't go, I'm not leaving. I don't care what you say. I like it dark in here. And I'm staying. I'm dark and it's staying dark. No. What happens? Light dispels darkness. And darkness always has to give way to the light. The light on the inside of us is always going to be brighter than the darkness that's on the world and other people. And maybe perhaps some of you are going to be around family or friends that are not walking with the Lord. And it could be an, it can be a real temptation this time of year, particularly that they may try to pull you back into darkness. They might try to say things like, well, it's the holidays. Let's just party like we used to. How about we go a little bar hopping and we go over to the hollow leg and do the funky chicken or whatever people do over there. I have no idea. Or let's just go. How about we just smoke a little joint for old time's sake? You know, after all, it's Christmas. We got to have a little Christmas cheer. Or, you know, let me put a little extra into your eggnog. Let me spike it up real good so you can get all loosened up and we can do move and groove like we used to. You know what? You don't have... Well, I have no personal experience, but I know. I've been told, I've been told that that might happen in some people's family circles of friends. Anyway, we don't have to yield to the pressure and conform and act like we used to act to have fun on Christmas or to fit in. But neither do we have to be all bummed out. You know, I've heard Christians say this, and it is a bummer. Oh, man, I wish I could do that with you, but I'm saved now. And I've heard people say this, my church won't let me. <laughs> my church won't let me. And get all bummed and all sad, you know. And act like this one guy that used to sing. My dad was so funny. He'd tell jokes all the time in church and have fun time in church. But he used to tell this story about this guy that got up to sing a special. And he said, you know, I used to be an alcoholic, but I threw my booze in the river. I used to smoke so many packs of cigarettes a day. I threw them in the river. I used to look at inappropriate magazines. I threw them in the river. And now I want to sing for you, Shall We Gather at the River? (laughs) Anyhow. (laughs) 
So some of you don't be looking at me like precious memories, no. Or don't be looking at your relatives like I had to give up all fun when I became a Christian. Or don't be all bummed out or don't act like a Scrooge around people, you know, just because they might be doing things you used to do. Or this is the other thing that Christians can do. Here come the judge. I'm going to judge you. Oh, you sinner. How can you be doing that? How can you be acting that way? No, that's not letting your light shine. How are we supposed to act? You know what? How about this? Just be happy in Jesus. Just let the joy of the Lord flow freely in our lives. Amen. People have enough going on in their lives. And maybe even some of you this time of year, the pressure, the temptation to get depressed, to get bummed out, to be discouraged. But you know what? We can stay full of the joy of the Lord. And one way to do that, I know it's a busy, I know your schedule is busy, but make sure that you're going to let your light shine. You're going to have to have yourself be full of the word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, thy words were found and I did eat them and they were unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. If you want to have a rejoicing heart and let your light shine through really bright, make sure you're feasting on the word of God. You can't resist temptation. You can't be a good witness just out of sheer willpower. We got to have something of substance on the inside. And that is the word of the living God. The Bible also tells us, and they didn't have these scriptures up there, but just listen in Psalms 119 verse 130. I like it out of the Amplified. The entrance and unfolding of your word gives light. Their unfolding gives understanding and discernment and comprehension to the simple. Thank God for the word. Can you lift your hands with me? Let's just say thank you for the word. Thank you for the word. You know, Jesus is the word. He is the word. He was the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you for the power of your word. Amen. So let me encourage you, just like the wise men did. Follow the light. Let the light Get in you and let the light shine through you. Your life is the best testimony that people can ever see or ever read. My parents used to tell us this all the time and not because I was bad. I was pretty good. I must, I must pat myself on the back. But you know, my brother, especially Ricky, he was, he was a mess. But anyhow. <laughs> They used to tell us this. Yeah, better now. They used to tell us this all the time. When you're out doing this or doing that, remember this. Your life is the only Bible some people will ever read. So just keep that in mind when you're around family and friends. You're letting Jesus shine through. Amen. And then thirdly, what we can learn from the wise men. They brought Jesus their best gifts. 
They brought gold, frankincense, and not smurfs, myrrh. <laughs> Her little kids say that. What is myrrh? So they thought they were bringing Jesus smurfs. <laughs> Let's just take just a moment and talk about what these gifts, the significance of each one of these gifts means. The gold spoke of his royalty, his kingdom. We honor him today as the one who rules in our hearts and lives and as the one who will return to this earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. Gold represented his royalty. Frankincense spoke of his priesthood. It was used in worship unto the King of kings. We honor him today as the one who is our bridge. The one who brings us to the Father. So the frankincense represented. He is a priest. And not only is he a priest. But kings and priests has he made us to be. Amen. And then myrrh. Myrrh was a spice used in burial. And it spoke of his death. So we honor him today as the one who not only was born for us, but died for us. So all of these gifts have a very important significance. And another thing that's so important for us to realize is that after they came, you know, they, they, Mary and Joseph, they were exiles into Egypt. And these precious gifts that these wise men brought helped to sustain them and help them with their livelihood while they were in exile. God knows what he's doing and he has ways and he has means to take care of his children. He took care of them while they were in Egypt. He'll take care of you in your situation. But he also wants us to realize in what the wise men brought that every single gift that we bring to Jesus is viewed as valuable and precious. Everything that we give to him. We never know the full impact of the gift that we give to Jesus. And if it's a financial gift, it's not about the amount of money. It's about the heart in which you give it. And Jesus views that as, wow, they're giving me of their substance. And he takes that, whatever we give him, whether it's our time, our talent, or our treasure, whatever we put before him and we lay at his feet as an act of worship. He takes that gift. And you know what he does with it? He changes lives. Your prayer that you sow as a seed can change the course of somebody's life. It can change their eternal destiny of whether they're going to spend eternity with Jesus or separated from him forever. Your seed of worship, hallelujah, worshiping him. Oh, glory to God. It's a seed. And when we give worship unto him, what does he do? He blesses us back. And when we give of our finances unto the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we, like the wise men, bring him our very best. What's he do with that gift? He uses it as an avenue 
to bless us and take care of us, but also as an avenue to be a blessing to other people. Glory to God. Let's determine as we're getting ready to close out 2019. At the end of this year, let's say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my best. And as we enter into 2020, let's be wise. I'm not saying wise guys, but let's be like the wise men and bring Jesus our very best. Amen. And then lastly, what can we learn from the wise men? They experienced exceeding great joy. I want to read out of Matthew again. Matthew chapter 2 verse 10. But I want to read this out of the Passion Translation. And when they saw the star, they were ecstatic. They shouted and they celebrated with unrestrained joy. Woo! (laughs) They were ecstatic. Hallelujah! And they shouted and they celebrated with unrestrained joy. Glory to God. These were dignified men. Another word for them is magi. I mean, I'm sure they had their crowns on and all of their jewels and everything else. But when they saw Jesus, they didn't care. They cut loose. Glory to God. They celebrated with unrestrained joy. Woo! Makes me think of that scripture. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. We ought to be having some Christmas joy in our lives. It's not a time to be sad. It's a time to be glad. One of my favorite Christmas hymns is joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive their king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Hallelujah. I should let heaven and nature sing and not me. But you know what? I got joy in my heart. Jesus is the reason for the season. And in case you don't know, Jesus is not a sad savior. The Bible doesn't say Jesus hath made me sad. He hath made me sad. No, it says he hath made me glad. He hath made me glad. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. Ha 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 ha. Woo. Ha 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 ha. Glory to God. When you're around your family and your friends this Christmas season, get a smile on your face. Get a dance in your feet. Hallelujah. Make them wonder what you've been up to. Let them know that you've been with him. I've been with him. Hallelujah. Jesus is the joy of my salvation. That's always been so big in me. I'm telling you, I grew up in church and some of the people were happy, but a lot of the saints were more like ants 
You know what a persimmon is? A persimmon is a fruit, you know, when it's ripe, I guess it's good. But when it's green and you bite into it, you're going to pucker for days. (laughs) And I could never figure out why some of the saints look like they were pickled when the Bible says we're preserved. Hallelujah. We're not pickled. So we ought to have some joy at Christmas time all throughout the year. Amen. So let's follow the wise men in the fact that when they found Jesus, they rejoiced with exceeding, great, hilarious, ecstatic joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, we thank you today for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you came. You are truly the reason for the season. And we worship you today. And we give you all the glory and all the honor due to your name.